Hello everyone, and welcome to the April 15th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm David Jimenez with Floyd, Skarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. The Court of Appeal ruled that the exclusive remedy of provisions of workers' compensation law shields an LAUSD principal from an employee battery claim. Here's what happened in the case of Elvira Mendez versus Los Angeles Unified School District. Elvira Mendez worked for the district at Encino Elementary School until she was laid off in November 2010 as a result of budget reductions. She was an office technician assigned to special education services. Three months before her layoff, Marcia Koff became the Encino Elementary School principal. Prior to the layoff, Koff told Mendez and other staff members that parents should not be allowed to view staff computer screens in order to protect student privacy. Koff then saw Mendez talking to a parent at her desk behind the counter. Koff told the parent to move to the counter. The parent attempted to explain the meeting, but Koff insisted that she move away from Mendez's desk. Mendez alleged that Koff then pulled her out of her chair by her shoulders, grabbed her left arm, and dragged her to the counter. Mendez felt a sharp pain in her upper left arm. Mendez filed a police report against Koff the next day and also contacted her union representative and complained in writing to the local district superintendent. Mendez, however, refused to proceed with the workers' compensation claim LAUSD had filed on her behalf. Koff was interviewed by police about the incident, but no criminal charges were filed against her. In October, the Personnel Commission notified Mendez of her layoff effective the end of November. An office technician displaced from another school took over her position and her duties in special education were assigned to yet another office technician who transferred from a different school. A total of about 1,160 office technicians were laid off as a result of the budgetary process. Mendez then sued Koff for assault and battery and the LAUSD for wrongful termination. The trial court entered summary judgment in favor of the employer, and Mendez appealed the dismissal of her case. The Court of Appeal affirmed the dismissal in the unpublished opinion in Elvira Mendez v. Los Angeles Unified School District. The Court of Appeal noted that workers' compensation is the exclusive remedy for injuries caused by the tortious conduct of co-workers acting within the scope of their employment. An exception exists for injuries caused by a co-worker's willful and unprovoked physical act of aggression. This exception requires that the co-worker acted with a specific intent to injure. Viewed in the light most favorable to Mendez, the facts do not support a reasonable inference that Koff acted with a specific intent to physically injure Mendez. A WCAB panel affirmed the dismissal of an orthomed lien claim over a late payment of the lien activation fee. Here's what happened. In a significant panel decision of Eliza Figueroa versus BC Doring Company, an employer's insurance uh, company, Mr. Figueroa's claim was resolved in 2001 by findings and award. In July 2012, a lien claimant filed a DOR requesting a lien conference. The lien conference was set for January 9, 2013 at 8.30 a.m. Orthomed did not appear at the conference. The WCJ dismissed Orthomed's lien with prejudice because Orthomed did not pay the lien activation fee without first issuing a notice of intention. On reconsideration, Orthomed argued that the activation fee is not payable 
where the defendant has not served supporting documents, thus depriving them of the opportunity to resolve the lien. The WCAB sustained the dismissal of Orthomed's lien. Labor Code Section 4903.06 provides that any lien filed prior to January 1, 2013 shall be subject to a lien activation fee of $100. All lien claimants that remain a lien claimant at the time of a lien conference shall submit proof of payment of the activation fee at the lien conference. If the fee has not been paid or no proof of payment is available, the lien shall be dismissed with prejudice. Thank goodness. And payment made after the notice hearing, timely, is not timely. A breach of a defendant's duty to serve required documents or to engage in settlement negotiations does not excuse a lien claimant's obligation to pay the lien activation fee and a notice of intention is not required prior to dismissing a lien with prejudice. Therefore, the lien of Orthomed was correctly dismissed with prejudice. I'm sure you will agree with that, Lee. And now, our fraud report. Federal agents are looking at medical companies owned by Michael Drobot, a man who built a Southern California business empire centered on treating spine injuries suffered by workers' compensation patients. FBI and IRS agents served search warrants on Pacific Hospital of Long Beach. The facility is a 184-bed facility owned and run by Mr. Drobot. And on Industrial Pharmacy Management, a Drobot company based in Newport Beach that dispenses medications to patients in doctor's offices. 68-year-old Drobot acquired Pacific Hospital of Long Beach in 1997 and shifted its focus to spine surgeries for workers' compensation patients. The Wall Street Journal identified the hospital as one of the most prolific spine surgery facilities in California. From 2001 to 2010, according to state data, it performed about 5,000 spinal fusions on workers' compensation patients and billed nearly $540 million for them, three times as much as any other hospital in the state. For a time, Mr. Drobot was in business with Paul Randall, a hospital marketer who served time in federal prison in the 1990s for racketeering. Mr. Randall said he recruited spine surgeons to operate at Mr. Drobot's hospital, and the two said they operated a magnetic resonance imaging business together. Documents reviewed by the journal last year showed that Mr. Randall was under investigation by the U.S. Attorney's Office for allegedly inflating the cost of spinal implants and paying kickbacks to chiropractors and spine surgeons, which we all know is not good. Mr. Randall hasn't been charged and has denied engaging in any legal activities. Randall was also reportedly a consultant paid millions of dollars by Tri-City Regional Medical Center. Tri-City is a 107-bed facility just south of Los Angeles near Long Beach. The small hospital billed workers' compensation insurers $65 million in 2010 for spinal fusions, up from less than $3 million three years earlier. Randall's role for Tri-City was twofold, bringing surgery cases to the hospital by recruiting surgeons to operate there and supplying metal implants for the surgeries through distributorships he owned. An official of Tri-City said the hospital ended its relationship with Mr. Randall in the middle of last year, a few months after it asked the executive who had hired him. 
Randall began his career as a hospital marketer in the mid-1990s after serving a stint in federal prison for racketeering. After serving time in the Terminal Island Federal Correctional Facility in Long Beach, Randall went into business with Michael Drobot, the owner of Pacific Hospital of Long Beach. For a decade, Messrs. Randall and Drobot also operated a business that arranged for magnetic resonance imaging or MRI services. Randall was reportedly paid $25,000 a month to run the MRI business plus a share of the profits. Mr. Drobot created several businesses focused on workers' compensation patients, a van service to shuttle patients, a provider of Spanish interpretation, and a distributorship of metal implants used in back surgeries. After a business dispute between the two men, Randall moved to Tri-City Hospital in 2008. Tri-City, which is a non-profit institution, paid Mr. Randall more than $3.2 million between 2008 and July 2011 as a business development consultant. Mr. Randall recruited some of the same spine surgeons to Tri-City that he earlier introduced to Mr. Drobot at Pacific. A corrections officer's Facebook video led to his conviction for workers' compensation fraud. 35-year-old Ryan Patrick Wenker was convicted of making a false statement to fraudulently obtain workers' compensation benefits. After Wenker claimed that he was hurt, Facebook posts and videos surfaced along with his standings in a bike race that took place in Prairie City two days after he filed a claim allegedly injuring his back. The video shows that Wenker is mountain biking using a helmet camera while riding behind others. Wenker was ordered to serve 45 days in the Sacramento County Jail and ordered to pay $5,000 in restitution to the Department of Corrections. A San Diego grand jury indictment charged two defendants with a total of 21 felony counts in an ongoing payroll scheme at a San Diego College area restaurant. The defendants hired more than 20 servers and cooks over a two-year period, many of them college students, to work at State Street Grill, but refused to pay them after a week of work. Prosecutor claims that these were wages stolen from employees that were not reported to the workers' compensation insurance company as payroll to compute the premium. Thus, the defendants were also charged with premium fraud in a case thought to be the first premium fraud prosecution based upon wage theft. 61-year-old David Dayton and his son, 27-year-old Barry Dayton, have both been charged with workers' compensation premium fraud, payroll tax evasion, sales tax evasion, and grand theft of labor from 23 victims. David Dayton was also indicted on one count of the fraudulent removal of property under a lease and two counts of attempted extortion. The men advertised on Craigslist for server and cook positions. They would offer the applicant the position if they accepted to work without pay for the first seven days. This was considered to be the training period. In desperate need of income, many accepted the offer. Employees who were hired after the training period continued to work 50 to 60 hours per week and were fired if they refused to accept less than $5 per hour. If convicted of all the charges, David Dayton faces up to 21 years in prison, and Barry Dayton faces up to 18 years and possible restitution to the victims. As many as 50 potential additional victims are being encouraged to come forward. 
the owner of a private security company hired to patrol Old Town Salinas and help clean up the homeless problem, is now facing prison time for tax evasion and insurance fraud. Anthony Vincent has been charged by the Monterey County prosecutors with four felony and two misdemeanor counts of not providing workers' comp insurance to employees and failing to pay employee taxes. Vincent is the owner of ESA International, a Salinas-based private security company. They were hired by the Salinas Old Town Association 18 months ago to patrol downtown. Vincent's attorney says his client was advised by his accountant to hire his security guards as independent contractors to avoid paying workers' compensation. Vincent will be arraigned April 30th. A conviction on all counts could mean 12 years in prison. The California Department of Insurance arrested 44-year-old Robinson Yang, 43-year-old Roland Yang, and 42-year-old Southerny Tenney Hull of Diamond Bar on multiple counts of theft, fraud, and forgery. The three suspects are accused of producing and selling hundreds of false workers' compensation insurance certificates. All three are being held pending bail hearings. In April 2009, officials began investigating Optima Staffing and RGC Insurance Brokerage for defrauding their clients by producing and selling hundreds of false certificates of insurance. The suspects allegedly facilitated the theft by establishing three payroll services, Optima Staffing, United Employer Services, and National Employer Services, in the effort to provide a legitimate facade for their fraudulent scheme. Optima also allegedly evaded income and unemployment insurance taxes. EDD also discovered that Robinson Yang was collecting unemployment benefits while being compensated by the companies. The four-year investigation involved hundreds of victims in 19 states and losses exceeding $700,000. And in regulatory news, each year the California Chamber of Commerce releases a list of job killer bills to identify legislation that it claims will decimate economic and job growth in California. The Cal Chamber will track the bills throughout the rest of the legislative session and work to educate legislators about the serious consequences of these bills that these bills will have on the state. The list for 2013 now shows several proposed legislative changes that pertain to workers' compensation and other workplace issues. The Chamber's claims that SV 626 unravels many of the employer cost savings provisions in last year's SB 863 workers' compensation reform package and results in employers paying nearly $1 billion in benefit increases to injured workers without an expectation that the increases will be fully offset by system savings. AB 1138 inappropriately increases civil cases and civil penalties on employers by permitting a civil action against those employers who fail to conspicuously post a list of every employee covered under an employer's workers' compensation insurance policy and to retain this list for five years. SB 761 creates a new burden on small businesses and additional opportunities for frivolous litigation by transforming the paid family leave program into an additional paid protected leave. AB 5 imposes costly and unreasonable mandates on employers that could jeopardize the health and safety of others by creating a new protected classification of employees and customers who are perceived to be homeless, low income, suffering from a mental disability or physical disability, 
and establishing a private right of action for such individuals that includes statutory damages, punitive damages, and attorney fees. The Cal Chamber claims that AB 10 unfairly increases California employers' cost of doing business by raising the minimum wage $1.25 over the next three years and thereafter indexing the minimum wage based on inflation, which fails, obviously, to take into account the current economic status of the state or other fees and costs employers are required to pay. SB 404, they say, makes it virtually impossible for employers to manage their employees and exposes them to a higher risk of litigation by expanding the Fair Employment and Housing Act to include a protected classification for any person who is perceived or associated with a family caregiver. AB 1164 creates a dangerous and unfair precedent in the wage and hour arena by allowing employees to file liens on an employer's personal property or real property where the work was performed based on an alleged but unproven wage claim that will take priority over other existing liens. The Cal Chamber will continue to add legislation to the job killer list throughout the year as bills are amended or new language is introduced. President Obama's 2014 budget proposal calls for reforms to two federal workers' compensation programs, the Federal Employees' Compensation Act and the Defense Base Act. The White House is proposing to act on longstanding recommendations by the GAO and other federal organizations by converting retirement age FECA beneficiaries to a retirement annuity level benefit. FECA currently creates an incentive for federal employees injured on the job to continue receiving its benefits beyond their retirement age. The proposed changes also would impose a new upfront waiting period for FECA benefits and give the U.S. Department of Labor additional tools to reduce improper payments. FECA currently has a three-day waiting period for non-postal employees that is imposed too late in the claims process to be effective. The budget proposal does not provide specifics, but the FECA changes would save more than $50 million over 10 years. The President's proposal also would replace the current Defense Base Act program with a government-wide benefit fund that would bill individual federal agencies for their workers' compensation insurance costs. The DBA provides benefits for contract overseas workers on U.S. military bases and for workers on overseas public works projects. Under the DBA's current structure, federal agencies pay for their insurance through a patchwork of individual contracts, and its costs now exceed benefits paid by a significant margin. The proposal points out that the DBA's caseload increased by nearly 2,600% from 2002 to 2011, with more than 11,600 claims filed in 2011. Well, that's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm David Jimenez, a partner with Floyd, Skarin, and Kelly. 
Thanks for joining us today. And drop by again next week for more news.